This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 250. Well, today is Sunday, May 15th, 2022. And as usual, I'm covering the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors first and see what they have for us this week. First up, industry news, DJI announces the DJI Mini 3 Pro. DJI uh, Pro redefines what a sub-249 gram camera drone can do. Lightweight, portable, and powerful, the DJI Mini 3 Pro is embedded with a full range of features as the first high-end product of the DJI Mini series. DJI, the world's leader in civilian drone and creative camera technology, today introduces the DJI Mini Pro 3, or 3 Pro, I should say, its most powerful lightweight and portable camera drone. Weighing less than 249 grams to be policy-friendly in many regions and countries, it delivers advanced features like 4K 60 frames per second video, active track tri-directional obstacle sensing, and 90-degree gimbal rotation to shoot high-quality vertical imaging for social media, all while extending its flight time to well over 30 minutes. DJI Mini 3 Pro empowers users everywhere to fly mini and create big. Quote, when we launched the mini drone series in 2019, our goal was to give everyone the easiest way to see the world from above for the first time, said Ferdinand Wolf, creative director at DJI. Through their images and stories, we discovered how capable a small aerial camera could be. Today, we share the integration of excellent flight capability, intelligence, and imaging versatility into our ultra-lightweight aerial camera. DJI Mini 3 Pro raises the bar on what a portable, powerful camera drone can achieve. You can pre-order the DJI Mini 3 Pro currently. Uh, let's see, with the RC N1 remote controller for $759, with the RC remote controller 999 or 909, the Mini th- uh, the Mini 3 Pro Fly More Kit for $189, and the Fly More Kit Plus for $249. Less than 249 grams, but more than capable. According to the regulations in many countries and regions, drones under 250 grams have been placed in the safest drone category. At under 249 grams, Mini 3 Pro's combination of weight, safety, and performance arrives as a new resource for content creators on the move and new pilots looking to fly. With this portable, powerful aerial camera, more people around the world will enjoy safe flight and access a large world of visual storytelling. Looking at where to take the mini series next, DJI asked their users and found the perfect direction. Integrate DJI's excellent flight and imaging versatility into its smallest drone. In the end, the Mini 3 Pro is unbelievably powerful for a drone so compact. 
Like its predecessors, Mavic Mini, Mini 2, and Mini SE, it keeps the same compact foldability for packing and taking anywhere. But the Mini 3 Pro is made with more built-in features than any other DJI drone its size, thanks to enhanced flight performance and camera system battery life, and intelligent features that were previously only available in the Air and Mavic series. Every new iteration of a DJI product is an opportunity to explore one question, what can be done better? One unmistakable result of this exploration with the Mini 3 Pro is completely new structural design that brings several performance enhancements. The arms and propellers have been adjusted for more aerodynamic flight that increases flight time. This new design also mounts forward, backward, uh, forward and backward dual vision sensors at the very front of the drone, broadening sensing range for even safer flight. A complete gimbal redesign unlocks more camera angles than ever, enabling movements like tilt-up shots and vertical shooting. With a fresh new look, the DJI Mini 3 Pro truly unlocks more creative possibilities. Obstacle sensing for safer flight. In a first for the Mini Drone series, the Mini 3 Pro features tri-directional obstacle sensing uh, consisting of forward, backward, and downward visual sensors. The forward and downward sensors have a wider field of view, providing seamless coverage for better route planning and environmental awareness. These sensors are also enable advanced pilot assistance systems which automatically detect and finds a safer path along obstacles during the flight or around obstacles, I should say. In addition, these sensors also enable the entire focus track suite, which allows users to select a subject that the drone automatically keeps within the center of the frame during flight while automatically panning, uh, planning a, a safe flight zone. Thanks to its upgraded sensing system, DJI Mini 3 Pro is the first of the Mini lineup to integrate APAS and Focus Track. The Mini 3 Pro also brings a completely enhanced imaging system. A one, uh, one and one-third inch CMOS camera sensor has dual native ISO, a capturing technology previously only available on cinema and some micro-single cameras. It also has an aperture of f1.7 and shoots images at up to 48 megapixels and video at up to 4K 60p. To help capture high-quality, easy-to-upload content, the camera rotates 90 degrees for true vertical shooting, creating incredible photos and videos in portrait orientation without quality cutting, image zooming, and cropping. For the most vivid details, HDR video recording is available at frame rates up to 30 frames per second. A normal color profile is available for quick in-app editing, while D-SYN-like allows for more post-editing possibilities. Digital video zoom at up to two times is available in 4K, three times in 2.7K, and four times in full HD. Among the Key pieces of user feedback we've applied in DJI Mini 3 Pro has improved image performance with a 2.4 um, micron pixels that capture more image detail, which is especially helpful in low light and nighttime shooting. Extended battery life and transmission distance. Even though the Mini 3 Pro is under 249 grams, it still arrives with an extended flight time. 
At a maximum flight of 34 minutes, Mini 3 Pro can capture more landscapes and destinations on a single charge. To give users more choice, Mini 3 Pro also introduces an extended flight battery option for the first time in DJI drone history. The Intelligent Flight Battery Plus allows for a maximum flight time of 47 minutes, an unprecedented capability for a drone this size. Pairing perfectly with this extended flight time, Mini 3 Pro features the O3 transmission system, which delivers a crisp 1080p live view from a distance as far as 12 kilometers. Capture like a pro with intelligent features. The enhancements on board the Mini 3 Pro already make it an excellent flying camera, but that's not all. A full suite of intelligent, intelligent capturing modes from DJI's Air and Mavic series is now available on the Mini 3 Pro to let you create like never before. With a single tap, you can do the following. Focus Track Suite. Spotlight 2.0 keeps the subject in frame while you fly manually. Point of Interest 3 circles the subject in a set of flight, radius, and speed. Active Track 4.0 follows the subject in two selectable ways. Trace, the aircraft tracks the subject at a constant distance. Parallel, the aircraft tracks the subject while flying beside it at a constant angle and distance. Quick Shots, Droney, aircraft flies back and up with the camera locked on the subject. Helix, aircraft flies up and spirals around the subject. Rocket, aircraft flies up with the camera facing down. Circle, aircraft circles around the subject. Boomerang, the aircraft flies around the subject in an oval path, ascending as it flies away and descending as it returns. Asteroid, aircraft creates a shot that begins as a sphere panorama high above the subject and ends with a normal shot hovering near the subject. Master shots keep the subject in the center of the frame while executing different maneuvers in sequence to generate a short cinematic video. Hyperlapse creates a dynamic time lapse where the aircraft flies on set paths during capture. Introducing the DJI RC. The Mini 3 Pro is perfect for those flying for the first time or coming back for more. To meet everyone's needs, DJI is also expanding its remote controller lineup with the DJI RC, which is a lightweight remote controller with a 5.5-inch built-in touchscreen. With the DJI Fly app already integrated, users don't need to mount their smartphone to their controller, freeing their personal device during the flying experience. Accessories to boost your flight. To get the most out of every flight, DJI Mini 3 Pro arrives with several accessories. You can get the Intelligent Flight Battery with a maximum flight time of 34 minutes. The Intelligent Flight Battery Plus has a maximum flight time of 47 minutes. Two-way charging hub charges Mini 3 Pro Intelligent Flight Batteries in sequence. Uh, the DJI Mini 3 Pro filter set, ND filter set with an ND16, 64, and 256 lets Mini 3 Pro capture more detail in the brightest conditions. The Mini 3 Pro propellers are essential to help ensure reliable flight every time. And the 30-watt USB-C charger charges an intelligent flight battery from 0 to 100% in just 64 minutes and an intelligent flight battery plus in 101 minutes. Uh, I already mentioned the pricing, uh, so I'm not going to cover that again, but you can available, or it's available for pre-order today from the store.dji.com and most, most authorized retail partners. 
in several configurations with shipping starting in late May of 2022. In addition, accessory kits made for DJI Mini 3 Pro are also available for pre-order today. The Mini 3 Pro Fly More Kit retails for $189 and includes two intelligent flight batteries, one two-way charging hub, two sets of propellers, and one shoulder bag. The Mini 3 Pro Fly More Kit Plus retails for $249 and includes two intelligent flight batteries plus one two-way charging hub, two sets of propellers, and one shoulder bag. All other accessories will be sold separately. For more information on all the new features and accessories capabilities, please visit us at www.dji.com slash CA slash DJI Mini 3 Pro. So definitely some interesting news there. And DJI is constantly breaking out new technology and new capabilities with each new generation of their drones that they release. And of course, that is one of the main reasons why they're the number one drone maker in the entire world. So definitely a lot of exciting news for those of us that like to shoot with drones. Next up, here's what Canon is announcing next, including the EOS R7, the EOS R10, and RF-S lenses. It looks like we have a few surprises on our hands from Canon as they gear up to announce new products this month, which is another pleasant surprise. Canon will announce the long-rumored Canon EOS R7, a camera we leaked the specifications on the other day. There will also be a second camera, the EOS R10. We're going to assume that the R10 is an APS-C camera that will likely take the place of the EOS M5 M6 Mark II. It was rumored quite some time ago that Canon would announce, would announce multiple APS-C RF mount cameras. Canon will also announce a couple of RFS lenses. Canon will announce the following gear, the EOS R7 camera body, the R10 camera body, the RFS 18-45, to 35-56, and the RFS 18-150, All of this gear will likely be announced on May 24th. So interesting to see that Canon is planning to release two APS-C RF mountain bodies. I still think, in my personal opinion, that it's a mistake for them to waste their time with releasing RF-S lenses. I just think it's a waste of their money and research and development time to support two lines of lenses for the RF mount. I would have thought they would have learned their lesson from the EF mount days, but apparently not, so... Looks like we may get some of those lenses, whether they're an absolute necessity or not. And for me personally, I just think it's a waste of time, money, and resources. Canon EOS R7 specifications. We have finally confirmed some specifications for the upcoming EOS R7, the first RF mount camera for APS-C sensors. This is probably also going to finally put the EOS M system out to pasture. EOS R7 specs, 32.5 megapixel APS-C dual pixel CMOS AF. Sensor, 15 to 30 frames per second mechanical and electronic shutter. Two times UHS-2 supported cards, 4K at 60p, 50 frames per second NTSC and PAL. 1080p at 120 and 100 frames per second NTSC and PAL. C-Log3 HDRPQ in-body image stabilization announcement in June or July of 2022. 
We'll update with more specifications as they become available. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, there are here are a few of the R10 specifications. The Canon EOS R10 will become the entry-level RF mount camera with APS-C image sensors. The Canon EOS R10 will become the entry-level RF mount camera with APS-C image sensors. I think it's safe to say that this camera is likely the successor to the EOS M5 and M6 Mark II. The latter was recently discontinued by Canon. R10 specifications, 24.2 megapixel sensor, 15 to 23 frames per second, mechanical or electronic, one UHS-2 SD card slot, and HDR PQ. I expect we'll see a flurry of information about the R10 and the R7 over the next couple of weeks before the scheduled May 24th, 2022 announcement. Note the image attached to this post is a mock-up of the EOS R10. So just so you know that, you're aware of that ahead of time. And of course, you can find all of the information on today's stories in the show notes for this episode. All right, and that wraps Canon Rumors. Now we'll head on over to Nikon Rumors to see what they have for us this week. First up, Photodiox Pro TLT Roker tilt shift lens adapter for the Nikon Z mount. I don't think I've covered this product on the blog, so here we go. The Photodiox Pro TLT Roker tilt shift lens adapter for the Nikon Z mount correct perspective distortion and unlock selective focus features. The F mount version has been available for a while, priced on Amazon at $182.05, but the Z mount is totally new. Four different adapters are available for the Nikon Z-mount cameras listed for sale at Adrama, Amazon, and B&H Photo. First, we have the Tilt Shift adapter for Mamiya 645 lenses. Then there's one for the Hasselblad V-mount lenses, one for the Pentax 645 lenses, and one for the Pentax 6x7, which is the P67, PK67 lenses. And there are also a couple of uh, accompanying videos on the official Photodiox channel on YouTube that you can check out in the show notes for yourself. Two new Meyer Optics Gorlitz lenses for Nikon F plus Z mounts coming soon. The Biotar 58 F1.5 Mark II and the Biotar 75 F1.5 Mark II. Meyer Optic Gorlitz will soon release new Biotar 58 F1.5 and 75 F1.5 lenses for the Leica M and L mounts. The Biotar 2 lenses were initially expected last year. Here are the details. For the 58 millimeter lens, delivery time is currently in production. Focal length and aperture 58 millimeters with an aperture of F1.5 to F16. Image circle diameter, 44 millimeters. Angle of view is 41 degrees. Aperture blades, 14. Filter diameter, 52 millimeters. Minimum object distance of 0.7 meters. Housing is all aluminum and clear anodized. Price at $9.99. The 75 millimeter F1.5 Mark II lens delivery time currently in production. Focal length and aperture, 75 millimeters, with an aperture of F1.5 to F16. Image circle diameter, 60 millimeters. Angle of view, 32 degrees. Aperture blades, 15. 
Filter diameter, 62 millimeters. Minimum object distance, 0.75 meters. Housing is aluminum, clear anodized, with a price of $9.99. Mayer Optic Gorlitz lenses are sold at Adorama and B&H Photo, so you can check those out for yourself. The Nikon ZTC 2x teleconverter is now $100 off, only at Amazon. Amazon has this exclusive offer where you can get $100 off, shipped and sold by Amazon only. The regular price is $597, so you can now get it for $499.99. Next up, more discontinued Nikkor F-mount lenses. Nikon continues to discontinue more F-mount products. Several additional lenses are no longer listed in the active section of Nikon USA website. Uh, let's see here. We have the AFS 18-35, F35-45G to G discontinued. Uh, the 16-35, F4G is still available at B&H, but is technically discontinued. The 17-35, F2.8D is still available at B&H. Uh, the 70 to 200 F4G still available at B&H as gray import or gray market. 300 millimeter F4D available at B&H as a gray market import. The AFS 105 millimeter F2.8G still available at B&H as a gray market import. And the PCE 24 millimeter TS F3.5 still available at B&H as a gray market import. So keep that in mind. Gray market means that you will not get a warranty unless you buy a third-party warranty from B&H. You cannot send the item to Nikon for repairs or replacement under warranty if it's gray market. And that's because it was, it was an item that was originally not intended to be sold in the United States, but instead in a foreign country. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, the new young new 50mm f1.8 mirrorless lens for the Nikon Z mount is coming soon. In the U.S., young new lenses are sold at Adorama, B&H, and Amazon. Previous coverage of the young new 50mm f1.8 mirrorless lens for the Nikon Z mount is included in this article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. And now that we've wrapped up Nikon Rumors this week, I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be right back with Fuji Rumors. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. All right. Now we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what Patrick has for us this week. First up, create with me. Fujifilm USA launched wedding photography competition with a chance to win a Fujifilm X-T4 kit. This month, Fujifilm X GFX USA, quote, create with me competition will focus on wedding photography. You have a chance to learn something new and also an opportunity to win the Fujifilm X-T4 kit. 
You can learn more at the dedicated Create With Me page, which you can find in this article in the show notes. How Create With Me Works, a hand-picked selection of Fujifilm creators will be sharing insight secrets behind their distinctive photographic styles, then inviting you to create and submit images inspired by their advice. Send an image and you could win some incredible prizes, but you can also simply use each round as a new challenge for your photography and maximize this fantastic opportunity to learn from the best. The competition is split into 12 monthly rounds with two Fujifilm creators setting a challenge each round. There's something for everyone from portraits to landscapes, street to wedding. Sign up below to be informed when each round goes live. So definitely an interesting idea. I think it's pretty cool that Fuji does a lot of these kind of uh, contests and creative learning uh, items that they have available on the Fuji site. For the wedding photography competition, you will get tips and information from John Branch IV, as well as Petronella Luguam. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that right. If not, I apologize, ma'am. Next up, rumor update, Fujifilm X-H2S compatible CF Express and SD cards. Very recently, I shared the rumor about the Fujifilm X-H2S being compatible with super fast CF Express cards. Well, some readers contacted me asking if the Fujifilm X-H2S would also still be compatible with SD cards. And I'm happy to report that the X-H2S will take also SD cards. If you plan to shoot lots of massive bursts, then CF Express is a must. But for example, my personal needs, a nice snappy, way more affordable UHS-2 SD card is more than enough in terms of speed. And you can stop by the B&H Explorer website for the fastest memory cards money can buy. Pulitzer Prize winner Ringo Chu uses Fujifilm X-Gear. Ringo Chu won the Pulitzer Prize 2021 as part of the awarded photography staff of Associated Press for a collection of photographs from multiple U.S. cities that cohesively captured the country's response to the death of George Floyd. Now, NBC News just published a video about Ringo Chu. In the interviews, Ringo Chu's first sentence is, I just love photography. And then he goes on telling his story that brought him from China to the USA and finally to win the Pulitzer Prize. So what has this to do with Fujifilm? Well, photography lover Ringo, who grabbed one of the most prestigious awards for photojournalism on the planet, also shoots Fujifilm, as we can see multiple times during the video. So let's celebrate yet another Fujifilm X shooter whose achievement or has achieved great results thanks to his passion and talent for photography. And yet I'm pretty sure that somewhere in a basement or fancy loft, a YouTuber is already preparing a video with catchy headline declaring that the Fujifilm X system is no good for any professional use. You can see the video above and check out Ringo Chu's work at his Instagram here and his website here for the Pulitzer Prize photo series about the Black Lives Matter coverage. You can see the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. Breaking Fujifilm X-H2S to offer animal object autofocus tracking. Do you remember the legendary Fujifilm FinePix F80 EXR? No? 
Well, the EXR is legendary because it actually was the first digital camera to offer some sort of animal autofocus, limited to cats and dogs, and called simply pet detection. As you can read in the product description here, quote, for those who enjoy the company of four-legged friends, the F80 EXR has pet detection, allowing users the ability to detect up to 10 faces of dogs or cats and automatically optimize the focus. The F80 EXR is, pro, is programmed to recognize 57% of the Federation Sino Logique International, or FCI, registered dogs, 80% of the top 20 dogs in the American Kennel Club ranking, and 60% of the Cat Fanciers Association breeds. Pet detection works by matching various dog or cat data of facial parts with patterns to detect the dog or cat being photographed. Yep, Fujifilm was once the leading computational photography innovator with animal autofocus. However, things have drastically changed. Not only has the feature that Fujifilm already developed completely disappeared from their newest digital cameras, but many other brands are offering animal and object autofocus tracking with Fujifilm definitely lagging behind in this area. But that is about to change. According to trusted information we have received, the Fujifilm X-H2S will offer animal and object autofocus tracking. Well, that's nice, but, but I would not be overly enthusiastic for now. Sure, the Fujifilm X-H2S with its stack sensor can truly unlock some computational photography magic, but before rejoicing too much, I want to see how these features actually work. I mean, Fujifilm also offers real-time tracking, quote, a la Sony, but in my experience, especially during the wedding I shot last year, it does not work nearly as good as the Sony version so far that I'd rather quickly switch back to zone-focused tracking for better results. I guess that's probably also why Fujifilm does not advertise this feature on their cameras, even though it's there. And yet it's coming, and I'm looking forward to See it at work on May 31st. Definitely some exciting news there, especially if this new feature works as expected. But let's not hold our breath. Next up, rumor Fujifilm X-H2S to shoot 4K, 120p, and 6K. We already told you that the Fujifilm X-H2 is able to record 6K video. But now we've been informed by trusted sources that it will also shoot 4K at 120p. The image you see above is a Topaz gigapixel upscaled image of the real-life Fujifilm X-H2 images we shared a few days ago. For additional images, you can check out this accompanying article. So definitely some exciting news there for those of you that are video shooters and waiting patiently, anxiously, for the X-H2S. <laughs> Fujifilm X-Talk with Sigma X-Mount Sigma lenses demand surprisingly high. In the latest Fujifilm X-Talk episode, Fujifilm manager Yuno talks to Mr. Ozone, general manager of Sigma product planning department. The automatic YouTube translation is very bad, but luckily the Japanese guys at D-Cliff made a summary, which Google Translate uh, makes, uh, makes a good job of translating. Fujifilm first contacted Sigma nine years ago. Sigma wants to increase mount supports and is grateful Fujifilm opened the X-Mount protocols. 
Fuji users are, are used to an aperture ring, but changing the current design to implement an aperture ring would have raised the cost of every lens. Sigma released lenses that are already covered by Fujifilm XF lenses, so they, they thought demand would be low, but turns out the demand was surprisingly higher than they expected. Quote, in addition, the lens configuration of the XF35, F1.4R, and MTF curve lens design discussions are exciting, and it is the first part that makes you, makes you to really like lenses or have passion. Many were skeptical when Sigma released lenses that are similar to ex existing Fujinon lenses and predicted the same debacle of the Zeiss Tuit lenses. However, here on Fuji Rumors, we always told you that won't be the case for the reasons we explained in this accompanying article. Next up, the Sigma 18-50 f2.8 will come in December, and I expect to become Sigma's and I expect it to become Sigma's best-selling X-mount lens by a large margin. You could order the Sigma 16 f1.4, the 31.4, the 56 1.4, all available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera, and the 18-52.8, which will be coming in December at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. So definitely some exciting Sigma-related X-mount news for all of you to check out for yourselves. <laughs> Next up, Fujifilm X-H2S with CF Express Type-B and SD card slot. Here is a little yet quite relevant rumor update. We did tell you already that the Fujifilm X-H2S will be compatible with CF Express and SD cards, but people asked me if it would be CF Express Type-A or Type-B. Well, just as most of the modern mirrorless cameras, Fuji also opted for CF Express Type-B cards. So you can definitely check out all of the current CF Express Type B card offerings from SanDisk, Delkin, Lexar, Sony, ProGrade, AV Pro, and Ritz Gear Video Pro. And you can find all of those links in this article in the show notes. Jason at TCSTV, the image quality difference between the Fujifilm GFX and the Sony A1 Canon R5 tortured me. I couldn't unsee it, so I bought into GFX. I don't buy into the narrative that, that wants you to believe you can make professional work only with full-frame gear. And it's not just a feeling of mine. It's, hard, I'm, it's a hardcore proven fact by the irrefutable reality that you can win the Pulitzer Prize or the World Press Photo Award with images taken by Fujifilm APS-C cameras. And I also don't buy that sensor size is everything narrative. Look, I've shot it all from my beloved micro four thirds to APS-C and medium format. And yes, even quite some Sony full frame as I have easy access to that system. Thanks to Sony Alpha Rumors guy living not far away from my home. So I can confidently say every system has its pros and cons and every system from micro four thirds to uh, medium format can be used for professional use. Of course, with some cameras being better suited for certain uses than others. So if somebody tells you you absolutely need a system with a 70% larger sensor than full frame, like the GFX system, to really stand out with the quality of your images, then you better not trust that person. And yet, as we said, every system has its pros and cons, and the advantage of the GFX system is undeniably that it offers the best image quality you could get for a more reasonable price. Then add to this that the Fujifilm GFX100S and the 50S2 have the size of the R5, 
are even smaller than the Panasonic S1 cameras and cheaper than full-frame cameras like the Sony A1, and you start to get a combination of advantages that might make the Fujifilm GFX perfect for your needs. And it sounds like the combination of advantages the Fujifilm GFX system offers was perfect for Jason Ng, who in a talk with Evelyn from TS, uh, TCS-TV explained his move to the GFX system. Here is a quick summary. Jason's assistant, Adian, was looking to buy into a new system. He looked at Sony, Nikon, and Canon and almost pulled the trigger on the Canon. Jason suggested that he try the GFX 50S2, which cost about the same that Adian was about to spend for the Canon. Adian put his hands on the GFX 50S, and it had these magical files. Then they also shot the GFX 100 side-by-side with the Sony A1 and the Canon R5. Even by just comparing the images on the laptop side screen, they noticed the detail in the shadows and the way that the camera handled graduation from highlights to shadow was just, quote, I could not unsee it. It tortured me until I inevitably bought the system. He bought the GFX 100 with a classic pro body with integrated grip and fully usable autofocus. He often shoots vertical, so having the integrated grip is very important. He was and still is a Sony shooter, enjoying a smaller and lighter body. Then Fujifilm offered the GFX 100S with its smaller and lighter body design, and it reached a larger target audience than what the 100, the GFX 100 could do. Uh, let's see. Both options, the 100 and the 100S, are great. He often shoots tethered and loves that the Fujifilm film simulations he uses go right into Capture One. As a longtime Sony user for 10 years, color was always hard. The standard was Canon. When Fuji released their APS-C mirrorless cameras, he loved the colors, but he could not commit to a smaller sensor than full frame. But now they have exceeded his expectations and gone larger than full frame. Skin tones are great. Reds are beautiful, rich, and deep. He uses also legacy glass adapted to the GFX system. Fujifilm offers GFX cameras from $4,000 to $6,000 as a game changer for medium format. Color and shadow tonality range, you can't unsee it once you see it side by side. Get yours now. It's finally in stock. You can get the GFX 100S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment. And you can get the GFX 50S Mark II at the same five retailers. And you can also check out this YouTube video from the Camera Store TV and watch what he has to say for yourself. Next up, brilliant Fujifilm X-H2S coming with external active cooling accessory and here's how it works, not via battery grip. We can confirm everything we said. The X-H2S will shoot 6K video and will also shoot 4K 120p. That's quite some impressive specs, right? Well, such features definitely generate a lot of heat, so much so that other cameras offering similar specs have a built-in fan, for example, the Panasonic GH6, the Panasonic S1H, the Canon R5C, and the Sony FX3. So how is it possible that the Fujifilm X-H2, uh, X-H2S will have built-in cooling system as we first rumored, and later we also saw from leaked images? The NR1 guess. I've read in, in the comments that Fujifilm would provide some sort of cooling built into more expensive of the two battery grips to be offered with the X-H2S, but that's wrong. 
In fact, Fujifilm will offer a dedicated active cooling accessory. And how does it work? Well, you attach it to the back of the camera, meaning you'll have to flip out the LCD screen mounted on the back of the camera, and then active cooling will be performed. Smart, isn't it? I mean, if you buy the Fujifilm X-H2S predominantly for shooting stills, you couldn't care less about active cooling. And Fujifilm won't force you to buy a bigger, heavier, more expensive camera with a big protruding fan. With this solution, the camera will remain cheaper, more compact, and let me say this, more beautiful. However, if video is your thing, then you have the option of this accessory. You use it, pay for it, only if you need it. Brilliant solution in my eyes. This keeps the Fuji X-H line appealing also for still shooters and makes it a great option for shooting video as well. So definitely a good idea for Fuji to go that route. Fujifilm X-H2S Active Cooling Accessory Additional Details Better Than the Canon R5 Tilta We shared the rumor about an external cooling accessory that Fujifilm will offer for the Fujifilm X-H2S. When we shared that rumor, some mentioned that Fujifilm's solution reminded them of the Tilta cooling system for the notoriously badly overheating Canon EOS R5. Hence, many were thinking that also Fuji's solution would imply a fully exposed fan for the backside spitting in your face and cutting off your nose. But that's not the case of the active cooling accessory for the X-H2S. The backside of the accessory will be nicely and safely covered. Uh, let's see here. Also, the tilt cooling accessory is definitely rather thick. But keep in mind, Canon did not design the R5 with any active cooling accessory in mind. This means that Tilta is kind of an improvised solution. However, Fujifilm did design the X-H2S with this accessory in mind, so they have installed proper heat sinks and attachments that will allow for efficient cooling. What this means for us in real life is that the accessory will also be slimmer than the Tilta. So don't worry, Fujifilm's cooling system for the X-H2S will be overall a much more elegant, functional, and efficient solution than the improvised tilt cooling rig. And remember, never judge anything based on rumors. Always wait for the official announcement, in this case, May 31st, to see by, for yourself, read the reviews, and finally make your conclusions. On my side, I confirm I believe this is a brilliant solution. And I do agree. I think it's great that Fuji actually built the camera with the idea of an active cooling add-on in mind when they came up with their external design. And last up for Fuji rumors for this week, the final word, Fujifilm X-H2 cooling accessory, good or bad? You can vote in this poll. I have rarely, no wait, let me rephrase that. I have never experienced such a device discussion about a Fujifilm accessory as in the case of the upcoming X-H2S external cooling accessory. So it's time to sum up all the positions in one single survey and see if Fuji's solution is appreciated or not. But before you vote, keep in mind this. The X-H2S will record videos also without this accessory. It's not that you press the record button and the camera will instantly overheat. If you do a mix of photos and not too long videos, you don't have to attach this cooling fan to the camera. The cooling accessory is probably more something for when you plan to make longer continuous videos like an interview or something else and want to make sure you don't incur any overheating issues. This accessory is not 
like the improvised suboptimal third-party tilt-a solution for the Canon R5. So the backside of the accessory will not expose the fan, and it will also be slimmer and more efficient. My take, the DNA of the XH line is the letter H stands for hybrid. And being hybrid, it has to work for fine for both stills and video. This also means that compromises are inevitable. Still shooters tolerate the selfie screen, bloggers love, and the video shooters love to tolerate occasionally to have the mount a cooling accessory on the camera for longer video recording. How long? Well, we'll find out on May 31st. This is why overall I applaud this solution. It gives video shooters the option to record long videos under bright summer sun without any overheating worries, and at the same time gives still shooters a more compact and affordable camera. But what about you? Feel free to vote in the survey down below. Do you prefer or not prefer the active cooling system that Fuji is planning to release for the X-H2S? And you can vote now. All right, that wraps up Fuji Rumors, and now we'll head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors. First up, the Sigma 16-28mm FE lens could be the only lens announced for this summer. I've been told that Sigma might announce only one new email lens for the summer, could be because of the worldwide shortage for electronic parts. That's also why the new Sigma or the new Sony 16 to 35 FE and 24 to 70 GM2 will ship two or three months after their announcement. The 16 to 28 millimeter f2.8 DGDN contemporary specs are as follows: lens configuration, 16 elements and 11 groups; shortest shooting distance, 25 centimeters; maximum shooting magnification, 1 to 5.6; number of aperture blades, nine in a circular aperture. Filter diameter, 72 millimeters. Size, 77.2 by 100.6 millimeters. E-mount version is 102.6 millimeters long. Weight, for 450 grams. Mount, L-mount, and Sony E-mount will be the only mounts available. Next up, world's first electronic sensor blower from Nightcore. Nightcore Blower Baby, rechargeable cleaning blower for cameras and electronics. The new sensor cleaning blower is now in stock at B&H Photo, Amazon in Europe, and Amazon DE, Amazon UK, Amazon France, Italy, Spain, and Netherlands. And you can watch this video on the official YouTube channel for Sony Alpha Rumors. Sony confirms it hasn't overcome PS5 production issue. That's why we also have to wait for the new A7R5. Sony published the latest 2021 financial report. While sales numbers were good, Sony said there was an a decrease in camera unit sales in Q4. They sold around 7% less units compared to Q4 of 2020. Blame the worldwide chip shortage for that. It's that bad that the PS5 sales numbers are down too. In Q4, they sold 2 million units compared to 3.3 million units in the year before. If they cannot produce enough of the highly profitable PS5, they surely can't afford to produce enough Alpha cameras. The good news is that Sony expects things to improve during the year due to better parts supply. This is also the reason the A7R5 will be uh, our A4 will be on market in autumn and not in September. I think I was supposed to say R5, and they wrote R4. In autumn, the semiconductor production shortage is expected to ease considerably, making it easier for Sony to launch new cameras. 
So definitely some interesting news there and not surprising with the global chip shortage that's currently still ongoing. Patent voice commands may soon be coming to your Sony cameras. A new patent published on IP Force Japan discloses a new voice command function for Sony cameras. This is the Google translated description of the patent text. The present application generally relates to techniques for controlling a camera's interface using voice commands. The problem recognized by this principle is the camera setup menu or settings can be reached quickly and easily. Cameras tend to have more complex menu systems that make it difficult to find or search for a particular camera setting. Rather than hunting through the digital camera menu system to find the desired adjustment, you can implement much easier voice control and make changes to various camera settings. For example, the user can instruct the camera to enter bulb mode via voice commands rather than continuing to adjust the shutter speed until bulb mode is finally reached. In addition, the camera function search can be executed in response to a voice command, such as search for autofocus. The search results can be presented on the camera's display, which is a liquid crystal display that can be touch sensitive, allowing the user to present an appropriate menu by selecting a specific search item that can be done. Let me speak frankly, I always hated voice commands on cars. They often don't work and are, are terribly frustrating. For me, there is zero added value for this feature, but maybe some of you will find it useful in certain situations. So definitely an interesting bit of rumor news there on this new patent. Next up, first leak images of the new Lawa FF2 90mm f2.8 macro 2x lens. Camera Beta shared this unboxing video of this new lens. The lens will be announced on May 23rd, and you can check out the videos on YouTube, which you can find in the show notes for this episode. Lawa 90mm f2.8 FE lens specs leaked. Here are the leaked specs for this lens. 13 sheets and 10 groups, 3 ED lenses and 3 high refractive. I think I was supposed to say 13 elements and 10 groups and they mistyped it. 13 diaphragm blades, shortest shooting distance 20.4 centimeters, filter size 67, size is 74 by 120 millimeters, weight is 619 grams. Mounts available, Sony E, Canon RF, Nikon Z, and Leica L. The lens will be announced on May 23rd. Next up, the list of most sold cameras and lenses in Japan, Q1. BCN Ranking collected the detailed sales from around half of the Japanese stores, and here are the most sold products during Q1. The Sony A6100 was the best-selling Sony camera, while Tamron definitely leads the lens pack. Cameras, number one, the Canon EOS KISS M2 Double Zoom Kit White. The KISS M2 Double Zoom Kit Black was number two. Number three is the Canon EOS RP with the RF24-105 ISSTM Lens Kit. Four was the Sony A6100 Double Zoom Lens Kit in Black. Five was the Sony A7 IV. Six was OM Digital Pen EPL10 Easy Double Zoom Kit in White. Seven was the Canon EOS KISS M double zoom kit in white. Eight was the Sony A6400 double zoom lens kit in silver. Nine was the Nikon Z50 double zoom kit. And 10 was the Panasonic Lumix G100 standard zoom lens with the tripod grip. 
So definitely some interesting news out of Japan. And last up for Sony Alpha rumors for this week, the Samyang 35mm f1.4 AF2 review at Sony Alpha blog, quote, much better in terms of sharpness. And you can pre-order this lens for $799 at B&H Photo. Sony Alpha blog tested the new lens and concluded, quote, the Samyang is priced at 700 euros versus 830 euros for the Sigma 35 f1.4 DGDN which is much better in terms of sharpness, has a real aperture ring, and a better AF for subjects in movement. I see, therefore, no reason to buy the Samyang 35 unless for video, thanks to its low-focus breathing. If the price goes down to 450 to 500 then it could be a good price for performance. Also, if you don't need the F1.4, the Samyang 35 1.8 offers better performance, better sharpness for 400 euros in a more compact and much lighter format. In terms of the best 35 millimeter, the Sigma and Sony are excellent at 80% of the case. You cannot distinguish them apart. They all have excellent sharpness, smooth background blur, excellent bokeh balls, and color rendering. And that is going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media and elsewhere. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Thursday. <laughs>